Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 274 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I'm so glad that you are here with me today as we are speaking to Chandra Prasad on one of the big questions that we all run into, that we all run across, um, how to solve the problem of being stuck, of getting stuck in your work. Uh, Writer's block is a thing that is highly contested. Um, I contest it myself. However, getting stuck really does happen. So I know that you will enjoy this interview. I'm a little low energy as I give you my um, my own personal update right now. I'm fighting a migraine. I think it's brought on by this tremendous lot of weather that we're having in Wellington. Uh, super weird air pressures happening and um, a lot of rainstorms and thunderstorms that suddenly clear to blue skies and warmth. I left the house yesterday morning to go hang out with some lovely, lovely writer friends um, from Romance Writers of New Zealand that I have made. And oh my gosh, it's just so fun to be with people who, uh, you know, have the same brain that we do. And we always want to talk about writing all the time. Um, but I left my house and it was cold and rainy and I wore a dress and a sweater and leggings and socks and heavy boots and my rain jacket. And by the time I got about 45 minutes up the coast, um, up to Paraparaumu, which is where my friend lives, uh, it was literally about 78 degrees out and warm and muggy and tropical. It might've actually, I think my phone at one point said it hit 80 (laughs) and I stripped off basically everything except the dress. And, uh, the, and conversely the other day it was bright and sunny and I put on a ton of sunscreen to go out and then it rained and I ended up having sunscreen in my eyes because it washed all my sunscreen off. I love the changeability of living on this tip of an island. Um, It is hilarious to look at what the wind is doing on those weather apps because it is northerly, it's southerly, it's southeasterly, it's northwesterly. All within 15 minutes or so, the winds are always changing here. And and I, I adore it. I love it. And also my brain doesn't like it too much. So uh, I have taken the drugs that I need to take and I am waiting for them to kick in, hopefully before the migraine actually lands full force. Otherwise I wouldn't be talking to you at all. Um, So I will keep this nice and short and sweet and just tell you that things are going great. Uh, I am joyfully working, easily working on this Revision of Replenish, which is now called Stay. And I will tease just a little bit. My friend Mona McDermott is um, starting a new podcast and it's going to be brilliant. She's coaching people on it through their creative process. And I am lucky enough to be one of her early coaching clients on this show. And she's really helped me break through a lot of stuff with the book. And when her show launches, I'll be dropping a tiny little teaser in here for you to hear what it sounds like. And I will be sending you the link. So you can actually hear me work through in real time uh, some of the stuff I have been processing and dealing with and trying to figure out about this book, which has been fighting me for a long time. 
it is no longer fighting me anymore. It became clear what this book wanted to be. And it was absolutely not the first two things I wanted it to be. The third thing is the right thing. And it feels really good to be revising towards something that I understand now and love now. So uh, that will be coming. So that's going really well. Um, I just wanted to take a second to thank new patrons because I haven't done this in a little bit. Um, Sandy Miranda edited her pledge up. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. Dear Sandy is also a student of mine. Uh, Mariah Fay, welcome to the level at which I get to be your mini coach. Um, Mariah Fay, I know you've got that a uh, big question for me. I can't wait to answer it. I was going to do it today. Might not do it today. It'll be very, very soon, but I want to be very smart for you. And that's not right now. <laughs> uh, Julie Colaccio. Thank you. Thank you so much. Elizabeth Benson. Hello. Cassie M. Newell. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Tyler uh, just came in a little bit ago and Yvonne Bennett edited her pledge up also to the mini coaching level. Um, thank you all of you for doing that. If you ever want to look at those benefits, uh, which include getting the essay I write every month and that I really love writing every month, that's over at patreon.com slash Rachel. Okay. Let us jump right into the interview now with Chandra. I know you're going to enjoy it. And I hope wherever you are, that your head is clear. There are no migraines. You're feeling well and that you get to sit down at the page for even a very small amount of time today. Scratch out a few sentences. And by scratch out, I don't mean actually scratch out. I mean, write down and then you can scratch out and then you can write a little bit more, Uh, but do some of your own work, no matter what, it will release some of that pressure you might be feeling about, I have to write, I have to write, I have to write. Okay. So write, write for 10 minutes, write for 15 minutes. You get to check it off your list. You did it. And I'm very proud of you. Uh, All right, my friends, we will talk soon. Enjoy the interview. Okay, writer friends, you are invited to write with me, with us, I should say. Rachel says write happens twice a month and it is awesome. On Mondays and Wednesdays, a group of us gets together in Zoom and we write for two hours. Yes, we chat a tiny bit, but only at the top of the first hour and the bottom of the second hour. And it is magic. We get our writing done together, writing in parallel play, writing with friends. It's five to seven Pacific or eight to 10 Eastern. And you can get all the details at rachelheron.com slash Rachel says write. I think you should totally come write with us. Well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome to the show Chandra Prasad. Hello, Chandra. Hello. I'm so happy so, to be here. I'm so happy to talk to you. Let me give you a little bit of an introduction for those who might not know you. Chandra Prasad is the author of the critically acclaimed novels On Borrowed Wings, Death of a Circus, Breathe in the Sky, and Damselfly, a female-driven young adult text used both individually in classrooms and in parallel with Lord of the Flies. Prasad is also the editor of and a contributor to Mixed, the first ever anthology of short stories on the multiracial experience. Being half Asian herself, Prasad has long acknowledged the death, the not the death, the dearth of significant mixed race characters in literature, especially for teens and children, and has sought to bring awareness to this issue. For this reason, Prasad chose multiracial protagonists for both her YA novels, Damselfly and Mercury Boys. Prasad's shorter works have appeared in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the New York Times Magazine, The Week, and Teen Voices. She is also a contributor to New Haven Noir, a short story anthology edited by Amy Bloom, 
uh, which is amazing, and the author of a how-to guide for young job seekers. A graduate of Yale, Prasad is currently working on several books and writing projects. She lives in Connecticut with her husband, sons, and assorted pets. Oh my goodness. So this is a show about process and about how writers get the writing done. And you have so much on that bio. You've got kids, you've got the pets. How do you get it all done? Tell us about your particular writing process, if you don't mind. It's very imperfect. So um, even though it sounds like I've done a lot, you know, day to day, I struggle like everyone else to kind of get my stuff together and do the right thing. So, um, you know, I'm a daily work in progress like everybody else, for sure. Um, But typically, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you're working on um, a couple of projects, it sounded like, too. So tell me what that typical day looks like when you're balancing all of those. Usually, uh, in the past, I've liked to work on one project at a time. But more recently, maybe in the last five years, I've found that it's a little easier to work on two or even three. Um, <clears throat> like spending most of my time on one, but then if I'm having a bad day on that particular one or you know, not able to find my voice uh, it's, it, it's a struggle. I'll switch to another one, which is usually, you know, more or less serious or in a different genre or whatever. And having that variability, um, seems to be helping. So I'm going to probably stick to that routine of having more than one thing in the works. Do you ever have to decide to work on one when the other one is calling you due to deadlines? How do you, how do you manage that? Yeah, definitely. And it's really funny because it seems like whatever I'm the one I'm not supposed to be working on is the one that's calling me, which (laughs) might just be my personality. Um, The rebellious writer or whatever, like I want to work on the one that isn't immediately needed. But um, I think that tension between the two kind of help or tension between the two or three Mm kind of helps. No, actually. Yeah. So I think that is the way to go, at least for me right now. When you're working on those different projects, are they a mixture of fiction and nonfiction? Right now I'm just working on fiction, but it's it's different. Um, So I, I have been, I've written, you know, general fiction, more adult fiction. And then more recently I've been doing YA novels. And um, although there's a lot of overlap between the two, I think more than ever, uh, there is, you know, there are differences too. And so the two projects I'm working on now, uh, one is more for the adult market and one is more YA. So um, that change in voices is, is good mm-hmm. to have when one mm-hmm. is kind of difficult. I, I switch to the other. Yeah. I've, I've often bounced between novels and nonfiction projects and I find that okay. But, but for me, um, keeping track of the characters is yeah. so hard. How do you, how do you, I guess I'm really interested in how do you make the shift? Does it take just a few minutes of being in the, the, the next manuscript to get back into it? Or does it take a day or a week or how does, how does that work? For all my books, I do tend to have a pretty good uh, plot summary ahead of time. Ah. And I also have, yeah, cause I'm not very good at just, um, you know, capriciously moving forward. Uh, I don't, I don't do that well. I go in directions that are, you know, not helpful. So it helps to have a pretty rough plot outline. Yeah. Um, but with details. So I know where I'm going. I don't necessarily know exactly how I'm going to get there, but I know the key plot points I need to hit. And I know kind of the arc of the story um, ahead of time always. And then same with my characters. I have 
you know, at least a few paragraphs about each one um, so that I know a little bit about their backgrounds or personalities, you know, maybe their motivation for what they're doing. And, you know, inevitably the, the characters will take me in directions I didn't necessarily intend to go in, but the basis for them is still there. You know, I still know what I started out with, which is always helpful. So you have something to refer to when you sit down. You, I, I guess I was asking for more of my, my own pantser um, <laughs> mentality, which I, w- I would love to outline more than I do. And I just, I just struggle against it. And I think that if I were working on two books at the same time, I would pants my way till they accidentally all met each other at the grocery store, you know, like the, the books, <laughs> <laughs> which might turn out to be a pretty good story. Hey, that would know? be interesting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, let me ask you uh, what your biggest challenge is when it comes to writing. Distraction for sure. I, I think I've always been, I've always had trouble kind of just concentrating. I hear from other writers. One, one very prolific novelist once told me that he can write on a very good day, 40 pages. And to me, this is just mind blowing. I'm like, what do you, you know, on a good day, I get like a couple, maybe like three, four, if it's like just a really good day. So yeah. I mean, I'm not like that. My productivity is is slow and steady. And um, I just really need, you know, my own room kind of, I, I need to shut off uh, electronics. Um, I try to turn off internet. Um, I try to make sure my kids are at school when I'm writing, you know, that it's not a time when they're home, shoo the pets out of the room. I, I, I'm very easily distracted. So I have to have that space for myself where I can't help but concentrate because there's nothing else that I can be doing. I miss that about being able to go out to cafes and write because once you get to the cafe, yeah. especially if you don't know the Wi-Fi password, there's nothing else there for you, you to go. do after right. a while, right. you know? Right. Yeah. Um, what, is your, what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? I think my biggest joy is those rare unexpected moments where someone emails me, uh, or I'm in, I'm, I do a lot of, uh, school visits, um, more mm. remotely COVID started and a kid will say, oh, I just really connected with this character or, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It doesn't happen that often where someone's like very, has very heartfelt words, but when that happens, I just think it's all worth it because somehow whatever I've written has connected with someone else. And that's what we all long for when we're reading books, yeah. you know, that have that moment of connectivity or like, wow, that eureka moment where somehow it hits exactly right emotionally or um, in terms of purpose or in terms of like whatever we're going through in our own lives. So those are the times that I feel most inspired that, you know, something some kind of good of, out of my writing is affecting someone else. I never, I never really thought about how special and um, incredible that is too, to be affecting young people. Cause I write for adults. So, you know, an adult email and adult response is great, but, um, but hearing from a young adult or a kid that you may have touched very deeply, like that's the kind of effect you can have on a person that never goes away. You know, I remember yeah, those books that changed my life when I was 15 oh, and 17 and 10, and, you know, and I don't remember the book that changed my life last year because I've read, you know, 60 cents. So that's, yeah, that must yeah. Feel amazing. It feels really good. And to be fair, kids are so honest and thank God, like they don't have filters. So if they don't like something, they're going to say that too. And I hear just as much of that. Like <laughs> I hated this character or 
I loved the book yeah. until the end. It's dunk like you <laughs> so I mean they'll say it and I know they'll say it because my own kids will say that about any you know what they're reading um yeah. or what you know anything in their lives and I love the candor because you know with adults we tend to turn the volume down on that and learn right. how to be more evasive but kids most kids haven't learned that yet and thank god like they're just they're just brutally beautifully honest and um I, I like that about the, the teen and, and kid audience. Yeah. You can trust it. If they say, you know, I loved your book, but I hated this part. You know that they hated that part, but they loved yeah, your book. Yeah, They're not exactly. just being polite. They're not just saying it because they feel like they should. Oh, I love that. Can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? Yeah, sure. Um, I have a couple. Um, one, I learned uh, from the writer of the graphic novel series Amulet, which is really, really, really graphic novel series. It, it's beautifully done. It's so good. Um, and he, and I, I think I was at, um, I think it was like a, a diverse um, writer's workshop and I was on a panel and, on, and then on, in my spare time when I wasn't on that panel, I went and watched other panels and he was on one and he was really, really interesting and wise. And he, said that he never, ever, ever sends anything he's done until at least a 24 hour period that he's had to just kind of contemplate. So even if something's Mm -hmm. due and his editor needs it ASAP, he's still not going to send it for 24 hours because in that 24 hours, inevitably there will be some, you know, change, whether it be big or small. And I realized that I actually had been doing that kind of all along, but I'd never articulated it. So it, it felt really good to hear someone else say it and to kind of let it sink in because that is absolutely true that it, it always helps to, to wait. And Mm -hmm. in that same vein, I don't know, you've probably had this experience too, since you're an author as well, that, um, when you're struggling and grappling to get something right and it's just not happening or you can't quite figure it out, the best thing you can do is just to completely stop and do something that's just brain numbing, like do the dishes, take a shower, vacuum, you know, take a walk. Um, And inevitably it is during those moments where your brain is off, you know, that the answer will come. And I think that kind of um, connects back to what this author of Amulet was saying that, you know, it's in that, in that time, in that space um, that you must give yourself, you'll, you'll kind of find the, the wisdom to, to make the corrections that you really need to make. I have had deep experiences with both of these things. Cause I am not one of those people who leaves myself anytime. Usually it's, you know, the last hour of the deadline and I send it swooshing off. And as soon as it leave my fing- leaves my fingers, I think of the one thing that I wanted to do that I forgot to do. Um, oh yeah. Have you ever that? sent I'm, an email yeah. like saying oh, yeah. with, a, with the header, use this version instead? Because- <laughs> absolutely. And I absolutely can't stand it when I do that. Um, actually, uh, Gmail now has a good feature that you can turn on that holds your email for 30 seconds. Um, so if you see that you have a typo to someone, or if you have that revelation, you can pull it back and it actually pulls all the way back. My brain just fritz. What was the second um, tip that you gave? Cause I had something to mention about that too. Yeah. Okay. So first one is to wait 24 hours. And right. the second one is just to do something oh, that's right. separate from writing. Like now that is, that's one of those Monday, things that I think is something Monday one of the best pieces of advice. And I struggle with it a lot because I get so frustrated and my frustration always 
um, manifest as stubbornness. So then I will sit at this desk until I figure it out. So I always kind of have to learn it the hard way. And I wish that there was a good way for us to remember to do it. How do you remember to get up and walk away when you're frustrated like that? I hear you. I mean, I'm stubborn too. And I, 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 I'm exactly the same way. And it, it's horrible because I'll like squander hours, you know, fighting over a sentence when <laughs> it's just better to walk away. So yeah. no, I'm by no means like, these are my tips, but I have to tell the tips to myself too. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Um, maybe write a little note to yourself. It, it's, yeah. it's hard, you know, it's, it's tough. It's always a struggle, but, uh, getting the right words at, on the page at the end of the day is almost always worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm in re-revision of an older book that I got the rights back to that I'm going to self-publish and re-release. And I, I've been having these kind of revelations where just yesterday I realized that this, the sentences that I feel are awkward and clunky. And then I'm like, well, I should have fixed those 10 years ago. I'm going to fix it now. And I sit there and I study it and I struggle with it. Almost always, it's better just to lift it out. If I'm, if it's that awkward, lift it out. Did you need it? If you did need something, can you just rewrite it? You know, that has been my most recent 24 hour revelation that I've been working with. (laughs) You know what? That's a really good point. Right. I mean, if it's just like somehow rubbing you the wrong way, why not take it out altogether? Right. And you can always find it again if if you change your mind. Right. You can stick the information in, in another way. I love this. Um, What thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? I was thinking about this, this question and I think it's got to be all the little things that I didn't think would affect my writing, Ooh. like like listening to NPR. Uh, this mm. is a great example. I I'm writing. Uh, I have it's in the really early stages, but like a YA idea um, of a bunch of high schoolers. That's that's all I'll say right now. And I've been just like struggling with kind of giving them their identities. I had there are four or five of them. And I had like three or four of their identities. And then one of them, I just couldn't kind of decide. And I was listening to NPR and it was, um, it was a, a show about Latina uh, power lifters of all things. And um, kind of like the machismo that they have to fight through to kind of do what they really love doing. And one of them was speaking and she was great. You know, she just, mm-hmm. I just like, I was just riveted by what she was saying. And I somehow like bits of that personality somehow hit me. Like that's exactly what I needed to do for this character. And, you know, would I have predicted that I would have picked that up from a Latina, you know, power lifter on NPR? Of course not. Right. But it's that unexpected moment when you kind of just allow yourself to be receptive to the things yeah. going on around you that kind of inspire you, you know? I think there's two parts of that. There's the, there's the synchronicity aspect that I think always happens when we are open and listening and, you know, you're thinking about these characters there in the back of your mind, but also the willingness to, um, expose yourself to fill the well, to be listening to NPR, to be listening to podcasts and to be watching TV and to be listening to what your kids say. How old are your kids? My kids are, uh, 14 and 10, but like in a month, both will be 15 and 11. So do they read your work? Uh, not too much, but they're both really, really, really big readers. And I don't actually feel so bad. They don't read my work because Mm kind of, I don't know. I like it distanced a little bit. You know, if I hear, you know, a couple hundred other high school kids telling me what they think, I don't really want my own kid. (laughs) Plus it's a little weird, honestly. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, it's just a little weird. It's a little too close to home, but they've chosen, you know, not to read too much. Um, 
But what I love about, I mean, any age kid, but especially the ages that they're at now is that their personalities are so well developed and they have such distinct interests and that, and I'm constantly, you know, learning from them probably as much as, or, or more than they're learning from me. So, um, it's, it's really interesting to have these two, you know, young minds and personalities that are growing so rapidly. It's, it's, I, I don't know. I love being a mom and I love, um, not even just like the nurturing aspect of it, but the surprises of parenthood and the surprises that you're the surprising growth of your kids that they display, you know, emotionally and physically and in many other ways. I can see the, um, the, that glow on your face when you talk about them, you just, yeah, you just they're light, good. I mean, light up. <laughs> they're good. Kids. That's awesome. I'm, that I'm lucky. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is the best book that you read recently and why did you love it? Um, probably the best book I read recently is called, uh, the Lake of dead languages. Um, Mm. I think it's, I I think it's Carol Goldman, but it's the Lake of Lake of dead languages. And it was so beautifully done. It's, I don't want to give anything away, but it's about a Latin teacher, um, who has a child. Um, and she used to be at this private school for girls when she herself was a student and she left and um, she comes back to the school um, and something happened in her own past that's quite dark. Um, And as she's a teacher, more darkness happens among her students and it's directly correlated with the lake that's on the Mm. property. Um, And what I loved so much about this book, well, there are a couple of things. The first one is that she let it unfold so naturally. There was Mm. never a force of plot. It just unfolded like someone was telling a slow meandering story. And yet it, you know, you caught fire right away. Like I, I still wanted to know. It It was mastery. Right. And the other thing I absolutely loved about this book was the atmosphere she created. I felt like I smelled that lake. I felt like I was putting my feet in that lake. I felt like I could feel the chill of it. Um, You know, the color, the changes the lake had as the seasons changed. I mean, it was just, beautifully done. She's a very talented author. And I found myself reading, you know, paragraphs back again, or Mm. sentences back again. And that's always the sign of a great book that you want to see, like, how did, how did that person do that? You know, I'm, I'm so caught up in this book. How did that happen? So, um, feeling, yeah, it was really good. And I just went into the library and got all her other books too. So I'm I'm reading them now. (laughs) Thank you. I had not heard of her or that. Um, speaking of books that people should be putting on their TBR pile, can you tell us about your most recent book and give us a little, little synopsis? Sure. Um, my most recent book is called Mercury Boys and it is a a young adult book. However, um, like most young adult books, nowadays it can definitely be read by adults and has been read by adults and um it's a few it's a it's a few different things um but basically it's about a group of girls who modern day girls and they form a secret society over the fact that they found a way to visit the people in these old photos called called daguerreotypes they can see the people in these old photos photos in their dreams um, and interact with them. And this is like a a super startling discovery they make and they vow to keep it a secret. And um, in doing so, they're all kind of um, tightly bound with one another. 
But as at first, that club is this place of friendship and camaraderie and good things. And slowly but surely, it becomes quite toxic. And we see that, in fact, some of the girls are not quite who they seem. And some of the things that they've purported to happen are not as they seem either. So that's kind of the crux of it. It's really about modern female adolescence and the complex friendships that girls develop um, and relationships they have with one another. But it also has a bit of time travel because the girls are visiting these people that lived in the 1800s. So it has a bit of a sci-fi element to it. Certainly a lot of history, um, real history that's been um, researched. And it also has some, you know, romantic aspects too. So it's got a little bit of everything. You had me at Secret Society and Daguerreotypes. Um, <laughs> yeah. like it was so much fun to write, was it? Oh, it was so much fun to write. And the Daguerreotypes, um, for those of you that, yeah, please that don't explain. know, and yeah. I'm sure a lot of people don't know because I didn't know about them either, but it's an early form of photography that didn't last for long. It was only popular for about 25 years. And the reason it was only popular for a short amount of time is that it was really hard to do. Um it required great mastery of pretty toxic chemicals um, and elements like liquid mercury, which figures heavily in the book. And the people that made daguerreotypes were often chemists because they were the ones that kind of knew how to use these tools. Um, And even though it wasn't popular for very long, you can instantly recognize daguerreotypes because they have this eerie quality to them. They have like a mirror-like quality. In fact, they used to be called mirrors uh, with a memory because they mm. look kind of like a mirror and they look mystical and magical. And, and they look um, like they're about to step right out and talk to you from the past. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They do. And um, the photo, the main characters from the daguerreotypes are, are in the book. So you can see the daguerreotypes there. Oh, you can also cool. go. Yeah. And you can also go. Um, I have a website. It's just mercuryboys.com. Or you could go to my author website, ChandraPrasad.com. And I have a lot of daguerreotypes on the site too that are really fun to look at. I hope people do that. I can also spend all day. And they're just so different from the photography, the early photography and the photography that came afterwards. Um, and, I, and I knew that it was toxic, but I hadn't actually connected it with the, the mercury. That's really interesting. <sighs> so cool. Okay, so where can we find you online? Oh, um, well, you can find me at my name, ChandraPrasad.com, which has a lot of A's in it, C-H-A-N-D-R-A-P-R-A-S-A-D. I'm also on um, Twitter at Chandra Books, Instagram at Chandra Prasad Books. And I'm on TikTok. So I'm, I'm on a few different, you know, social media. You can find me. I love TikTok. How are you? How are you finding TikTok? I'm finding it very confusing and only I can navigate it with the help of my children because I'm just too old for it. (laughs) Or not. I am way older than you. And I don't think so. Give it a, give it a a little time. It'll, uh, I don't know. I just love that. It's fun to go through though. And I've learned a lot, like go, you know, going through, I found out how to take my contact out today, like a different way of I love finding those. I did the, I did the famous TikTok salmon rice bowl last week and it was delicious, you know? Oh, that's so, so, yeah. so good. So <laughs> Thank good. you so much, Chandra, for being on the show. It is a joy oh, to talk my gosh, to you. It was and this was awesome. Thank yeah, you so much. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. I love your show. And it was, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. And I wish you happy writing. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of how do you write? 
You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>